What's up, podcast listener? Welcome to the B2B podcast, basketball to business. If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives or the game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs, how they built their businesses, and make a living from the game that they love. Now for the show. Hey everyone, thanks for joining another episode here at Basketball to Business. We have Coach Fui. Coach Fui, what's going on? Not much, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making it. So tell the audience, please, your background, where you went to school, did you play basketball, and how you got into training? Right, so I'm I'm Cuban-American. My parents are Cuban. Um, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Basketball was introduced to me at the age of, you know, four or five. I have two older brothers that that play basketball. My dad was a basketball coach, so he put the ball in my hand at a very early age. And basketball is the only sport, you know, I ever played. Um, over here in Miami, Florida, you know, I grew up playing in the parks with my older brothers. I just became obsessed, you know, with basketball from an early age, pretty much to the point that you know, that's all I did. If I wasn't playing, I was watching it. And I, you know, I was a good player growing up. I knew the game. I was very talented. Um, it wasn't until I got to my junior year of high school, I transferred to Monsignor Pace High School. Preseason rankings, we were number 17 in the country. They had just won a state championship. We had seven Division One players on that team. And, you know, once I transferred there, I really realized that I needed to take my game to another level. So that's when I got involved, you know, with the with the skill development, uh, with the mental training. All the things that I'm teaching now to my clients are things that I started working on when I knew I had to take my game to the next level. Um, growing up, the people around me, you know, I could probably name a handful that played college and earned the scholarship. And, you know, as a Cuban-American, 5'11", 6 feet which, with, uh, with shoes on, you know, I was able to play four years of college basketball, two years JUCO, two years Division two, and, you know, help my parents out because financially, you know, they struggled. And I was able to get a college scholarship by putting in the work. So, you know, I pretty much knew right away that I wanted to be involved with this game, uh, whether it was coaching or training. So I got into the training pretty quickly after my college basketball career. So let me, thanks for saying that, for that background. Let me ask you, why did you go JUCO the first two years? And what does that look like financially for you, for players? The reason I went JUCO um, in high school, I was a skinny kid, man. I, I was I was one of those players that that got better with age. You know, the weight room helped me out a lot. Um, so my senior year of high school, it was a combination of two things. And I played for probably the best team in Miami at the time. And, you know, I was the leading scorer on that team. Power forward, went to Louisville. His name was Rakeem Buckle. So we were pretty, we were pretty good. And I, and I had a great what, senior year. What school is this? What school is this? Monsignor Pace High School. Monsignor. Man, okay. I think you may know some people. A guy named Melania Adekambi down there. You may know some people that I know that I played with, but keep going, please. Yeah, so um, so so I had to go, you know, just because I was, you know, I would say underdeveloped physically. I also struggle with with the grades, which is, you know, everything that I went through in my playing career are things that, you know, at the time felt like obstacles and 
you know, discouraged me, but now I see it as a blessing because I'm able to help so many people through, through what I struggle with. But, um, I was a good player. Just, I wasn't the most, uh, you know, college coaches when they came to see me, they could see that I'm talented. They could see that I'm skilled, but I wasn't highly recruited. So I went the Juco route. And when I went to Juco route, it was probably the best decision, you know, I ever made. I played at, at Broward college, my freshman year, my sophomore season, I played at college of central Florida. And it was just a great, great experience. You know, every team that we played had you know, five Division One players in the starting lineup. It was competitive. It was guys that were hungry to get to a Division One school. And, and you know, I took that route and, you know, it paid off. It paid off and, and it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. So why did you transfer? I was at Broward College my freshman year. Um, at Broward College, we were able to, we had a scholarship as far as, the, you know, the school goes, but they wouldn't cover certain things such as meals and, and things like that. And, you know, financially, my parents just didn't have the money to pay, you know, what they couldn't cover. College of Central Florida started to to recruit me after that. And they they covered everything. And it was a more established program where I thought I would get a better chance of getting recruited to play, you know, Division One or Division Two basketball. So I chose to transfer over there. I was good, good friends with the assistant coach. Uh, coach Tito Arias is a guy that you know, was from Miami, Florida. So I just thought it was the best situation for me. So, okay, you transfer and, you know, it sounds like there wasn't any bad blood there. I want to ask you before we move on, what do you think about this sudden flood of transfers from D1 to D2, D2 to D2? I mean, it seems like transferring is a more popular, popularized thing. And what's your mindset on athletes who transfer a lot? Man, it's tough. Um, you know, I don't want to stereotype because it just it really just depends on the situation. And just to say, you know, every situation is completely different and people have valid reasons for transferring. But I think that just now it's a lot. Um, the generation is a lot softer, um, you know, just with AAU basketball and all that where you could go from one team to the other you could go from trainer to trainer you could go from high school to high school so easily and then you even see nba guys you know jumping from team to team back in the day there was a lot more you know loyalty as far as you know sticking to a team um i just think that guys are not as mentally tough to stick it stick through it you know through the adversity so as soon as something you know is tough they want to blame the coach and they want to transfer now that's not in every situation, but I know a lot of players that I work with, you know, the second something goes bad, they contact me and they're like, you know, I want to transfer. And I'm saying, man, you're, you're going to transfer somewhere else, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be obstacles in that situation as well. You know, everywhere you go, there's going to be obstacles. You think you're going to transfer to the perfect situation and, it, you know, it just, it doesn't happen that way. I feel you need to stick it out through adversity and it's just going to make you a better player. You said this generation. I'm assuming you're in Generation X. You're millennial. When did you graduate college? Just, I just turned 26 years old. Graduated <laughs> okay. high school in 2009. Okay, that's that's an even better answer. That's what I wanted to really ask, but I <laughs> hedged it. <laughs> yeah. So when did you start training, man? I like to tell people I've been a trainer um, even from the days that I was a player, even from the age of seven, eight years old. And the reason I say that is I was the type of guy, I was the type of teammate that 
you know, I was, uh, I had a big influence on players and I had a big influence on my teammates. So I was the type of guy that even if we were in a practice or, or you know, we had some time off, I was the type of guy that got people in the gym, um, got people in the weight room, whatever it meant. And without even noticing that I was training them, I was, you know, putting teammates through workouts and, and things like that. So I always had, you know, that training mindset. I've always had the hunger to help players improve, even from my playing days. And, you know, after freshman year of college, I came back home, um, you know, for the summer and a family friend asked me to train uh, her son. So I started training him at the park and, you know, one kid turned to two, two kids turned to three. Before you know it, you know, there was six or seven kids that I was training four times a week um, just to make a little bit of extra cash. It wasn't even about the money. I was. So, yeah, man, I, I started training there and, and I never really saw, you know, the potential that it had that I could make a living off of it. But I always knew I loved it. Um, when I finished playing my senior year of, of college, I came back down to Miami and the guy that really got me involved and showed me, you know, the ropes of, of the business and really made me believe that I could earn a living and be great as a skills trainer was Andrew Moran that runs Miami Hoop School here in Miami. Um, you know, I partnered up with him for about a year and a half. We worked together and here in the Miami area, you know, running academies, camps, um, clinics and all that. Seven months ago, I, we, you know, we went our separate ways and I started to do it on my own. So, you know, it's been a journey, but it all started with the love of, of the game and the hunger to, to improve players, not only their game, but also their lives. Man, that's big. So... The so about three years, four years, you would say that you've been doing it for trade for for an income. Right. Well, I, I I've gotten full. I've been full time for for about a year. You know where I realized. You know if I put you know everything into this, I could make a living. And the only way that you know I could really make a living as a skills trainer is to give myself no plan B. And you know that meant that. For a year, I was going to struggle financially. For a year, I was going to need some help, you know, paying my bills. Uh, for a year, you know, there was going to be tough times. You know, I had people I love that people are looking, you know, people looking out for me that have, you know, my best interests talking to me and telling me, look, maybe you should do something else. But throughout that year, I knew in my heart that this is what I need to be doing because I'm helping people. And I feel like, you know, God gives everybody a gift. And I feel like my gift, my talent is in basketball. So to me, it's a no-brainer, you know, that I, you know, I was put on this earth to, to help people through the game of basketball. So I stuck with it, and, and, you know, now it's paying off. Nice. So let's dive into something. 26 years old, young guy. Can you speak to the other player developers or aspiring player developers who are about to make that leap or someone older who is about to make that leap? Tell me the down times of – knowing that you're going to struggle financially for about 12 months what are some of the the struggles <clears throat> the struggles that you went through and what would you coach others on before they jump into that right so i think it all depends on the person you know i'm the type of person that i need to stick to one goal that needs to be my primary focus and then i have a hunger to get it no matter what um there's certain people that you know could have a nine to five job and kind of do it as a part-time until you know it starts to pick up and then they could go full-time i'm the type of person i need to go all in you know if i'm distracted if i'm doing two things at once 
I just won't be as efficient. Um, and I really won't be able to, to go full time if I'm focused on two things. So I, I dropped everything, you know, uh, the job I had, <laughs> you know, I dropped it. Um, what was that job? I was a PE teacher at a charter school here in Miami, Florida. Um, just doing PE and, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was taking up my whole day. And I, you know, while I'm, while I'm supposed to be teaching PE, you know, I'm coming up with, I'm editing videos, I'm, you know, working on logos, I'm taking phone calls, I'm writing down different drills. So, you know, I realized, you know, I, I can't, I can't be doing this. I'm doing a disservice to the kids that I'm teaching at the school. So I just really followed my heart, man. Um, so I got into it full time, you know, at times it's a struggle, but I think like anything else, you know, if you put your mind to it, if you do go work, it's going to, it's going to come back to you. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, what, what were you, did you have to ask your mom or, or dad, your family, Hey, can you help me pay this gym fee? Or, Hey, can you help me buy food? What, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Food? My, my parents, my parents helped me out as much as they can. Um, my girlfriend helped me out. My brother at times, you know, helped me out with different different bills and things like that. Um, I was able to earn enough where, you know, I could pay for my gas and, and you know, pay for some food. But it was basically, you know, a struggle. At one point, you know, I even had thoughts like, you know, am I going to be able to do this? People were having talks with me like, you know, maybe this isn't the best route. Maybe you should use your degree. Maybe you should get a steady job. And, um, you know, I just went all in. I, I You know, when you have no other option you're going to find a way, you know, when you're at that point where you say, you know, if I don't do something, I'm not going to be able to eat. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. It's incredible how you start to find the resources, you know, because we don't lack the resources. We lack resourcefulness. That's what Tony Robbins, you know, I hear that from Tony Robbins all the time. So once you're at that point of, of desperation, that's when you really, you know, you have no plan B. So you have no choice but to come up with the resources. So that's when I started to come up with anything, whether it was, you know, free clinics, whether it was going to pass out flyers, whether it's DMing 100 people in the Miami area, you know, whether it's, um, you know, networking with certain people or, or going to run some practices, whatever it was, I just knew that I had to take action if I wanted to pay my bills. That left me with no other choice. And before you know that, I built that momentum and, and things just started to flow and pick up for me. Now, I'm from a sales background. So what you just said really rings with me. The 100 DMs, that is what I realized. I've talked to a lot of people. I've done the marketing funnels. I've done a lot of fancy things. But there's nothing like prospecting, cold DMing, cold calling people and asking for sessions. I mean, it really is a numbers game, a quality game and a numbers game. So my question for you is you DM a hundred people on Instagram and you start to get some traction. Do right. you have a point where you, you chill, you slip off and you forget the prospect or are you the type of person that is continual with that kind of outreach? Even if you do have numbers coming in, man, I'm persistent. You know, I haven't, you know, and I'm young and I've only been doing it on my own for seven months, you know, and I have big dreams. I have big goals. This is, you know, this is what I love to do. So I'm, you know, I haven't, <laughs> you know, fortunately, I haven't hit the point where where I'm complacent. You know, if anything, it's the opposite. I'm extremely hungry um, to just 
to just achieve more. But, you know, once I start to get people to DM me back, I always try to, to set up a workout, you know, immediately. Um, if somebody's interested, I set it up. I give them a time. I give them a date. I give them a location. And I say, let's do this. So, so that's always my philosophy. You know, if you let it linger, uh, somebody's interested and, you know, you let a couple weeks pass, you start to lose momentum. So I always like to take action as soon as a player says, yeah, I'm interested. Let's do a workout. Um, you know, I give them a time, place, location, and we get to it. Explain the market down there in Miami. It seems competitive. I only know you, Ryan, and Coach Moran, but I'm assuming it's really packed down there. Is it super competitive? What's the culture like? Um, I would say there's a lot of basketball programs, you know, more that are running, you know, AAU, travel ball, things like that, leagues. Um, strictly full-time skills trainers. I think I know three or four of them. You'll be surprised. There's a lot of people in Miami's, you know, a big city where people are trying to make fast money. So there's a lot of there's a lot of gimmicks going on, and you know, and it's not just in the basketball training industry. It's in everything. People have a little bit less patience here, so there's a lot of people that come and go. A lot of people will get into the the, the training industry because they think they can make some money. Once they fight through some obstacles and they see it's not that easy, they quit. But I would say there's three or four, maybe there's a handful if you want to stretch out to to the Broward area or North Miami area that do it full time and, and, you know, are really good. Right. So I'm going to go back to something I wish I would have asked earlier. You were asking family for help the first year, correct? Right. You were reaching out, even your girlfriend too. What... And I know, I know the Cuban culture. I know how family oriented it is and whatever they have, you have too. Does that help in you swallowing pride and being okay with asking for help when you need it? Or what makes you okay with asking your girlfriend for financial help when males are, you know how males are. Talk to me about it. Um, I don't, I just don't have a lot of pride. Um, I'm the type of person that if I need help with something, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to ask people for help. Um, anxiety is something that I've dealt with since I was a little kid. So I've always understood the importance of reaching out at the end of the day. You know, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody here is invincible. We're human. So, you know, if somebody loves you and cares for you, you know that they have your best interests at heart. I don't feel like there should be, you know, a problem or an issue with reaching out for help and i think that makes you you know a braver person a better man a stronger man to admit you know hey i need some help in this situation and and to reach out got it man that's interesting because i talked to a lot of people not even millennials but older men and women who are in the same situation and you know it's tough sometimes they have kids we don't you know, sometimes they have significant others wives so right. it's an interesting place to be in right there but I wanted to ask you now, I, the, I don't think the audience knows, but you just blew up in my, in my Instagram feed because I didn't know anything about you. I saw one video. I think it was a video where you had the uh, strength and conditioning coach on there too. But right. my question for you is, when did you begin to start developing your style, your craft for the video editing? Because I'm assuming you do it yourself. Right. I think it was... Um, you know, when I was working with my, with Andrew Moran from Miami Hoop School, 
uh, we started to post, you know, uh, we started to post a lot and it was different, you know, skills and, and, and things like that, you know, whether it's a two ball drill, whether it's, you know, doing a certain move and explaining it. So I got into it, you know, little by little. But then once I went on my own and I developed my my brand, Coach Fui Basketball, which is my, my personal brand, I knew that I needed to have kind of an identity and I knew that that you know I had to set myself apart I needed to stand out a little bit and I needed to be my true self so one thing that I do every single day is I spend an hour as soon as I wake up and an hour before bed working on, on my mind whether it's reading a book whether it's listening to talks by Gary Vee Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Eric Thomas, whatever it is. And that's played a huge part of my life, huge part of my playing career and a huge part of my life in general, relationships or, or financial or whatever, whatever it has to do with. And, and I knew that, that I had a gift to, to, to inspire people. You know, it's, it's what I'm passionate about. I love basketball, but basketball is more of a platform for me to be able to teach the game, but also to impact people's lives, which is going to last longer than any skill will last. So um, I started to create these videos. I started to give these speeches. I've always given speeches to players and, you know, tried to tap into their mind and, and motivate them and teach them. And I just started to record it. One day, it actually happened by accident. A guy I had working for me just recorded it as I gave a speech. And I, you know, I listened to it and I was like, wow, it's pretty good. Let me put it out there. So I put it out there. I saw it was good. I got really good feedback. And, you know, from there, I made a plan that, you know, once a week, I was going to post a motivational post, whether it's me speaking to players or whether it's a voiceover. So, so I started to do that. That's interesting because not many are doing voiceovers besides uh, Coach Paul Easton drills and skills, and he is, you know, he's very good at it. He's interesting guy. I'm not sure if you know his account, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no organic, all organic. You know, he posts like three or four times a day sometimes. So. Uh, I like the, I like the style, the voiceovers, and I think that's something that a lot of guys are, and girls aren't taking advantage of. So for you, have you ever dabbled into the paid advertising, or is it all organic you're following? Um, at first, it was all organic. At first, it was all, um, you know, DMing my videos to other people. At first, it was more, um, you know, influencer marketing as, you know, parents, uh, kids. I would ask them to post it. And that really helped me gain my following in, in the Miami area. Once I started to do better for myself, I had more of a marketing budget. I was able to get into the to the Instagram ads. I was able to pay for shout outs and, and things like that. But that wasn't until probably after, you know, a year of me just posting organically. Now you're seeing now it's interesting because from my understanding, I've done it not as much as I should have. It seems like when parents and kids post your videos and they don't mind doing it if it's quality, would you say that has been, besides your DMing, has that been the biggest reason that you've grown a clientele base that's allowed you to have a marketing budget or has it been a different tactic? Yeah, there's nothing like word of, there's nothing like, you know, word of mouth and there's nothing like a parent posting a video and and, you know, writing something nice about you because everybody's going to see you post on Instagram. There's going to be a little sponsored under it. So, you know, they know you're paying for it. But when a parent is posting it, that's going, especially on Facebook, I have, you know, the parents post a lot on Facebook. And once they post that, 
the other parents see it and say, wow, you know, not only is the content good, but she's taking the time to post it. But it's always, you know, you got to exchange value. You know, I'm not just asking, hey, can you post this? Because at the end of the day, you know, even though it takes five to 10 minutes to post it and write something nice about me or nice about my program, um, you know, people maybe don't want to take that time, you know, maybe have something else better to do. So I always try to exchange value for my camps, for instance. Um, and I get creative with my marketing. I would I would one of one of the ideas I had was if you post if you and your parent, if the kid and the parent post one video that I record that I took at camp, whether it's a speech or or whatever it was, they post it and they write their favorite thing about camp. The kid is going to get three half court shots. And if they make one, they get 50 percent off the next week of camp. Every single kid, and I had 107 kids at camp, I think every single kid posted it. And I think three, three kids made the shot. So, oh, wow. Oh, so yeah, it was, it was definitely worth it. And then I did it every week after that. And it's fun. Um, obviously, the parents want that discount. The kids want to shoot from half court. And I want them to post, so everybody's winning. Man, so the results from that, what is it, 108? 107 plus shares in borderline viral yeah 107 po 107 posts and then people started to share people started to comment on it i started to get you know i started to get calls and 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 it worked great and that was just an idea i had as i was laying in bed at one o'clock in the morning because for some reason at, at night i get my best ideas so i just had that idea and i didn't get that idea write it down and then look back three months later and say Oh man, that was a great idea I never executed on. I wrote down that idea and the next morning at camp, less than 24 hours later, I, you know, I executed on it and it worked. So I think the key is to, you know, once you get these ideas, especially in marketing, take action on it, you know, right away and and experiment, see if it works or not. Nice. And you really interest me with the, the advertising, the paid advertising. You I looked at your account maybe like a week ago and right. it was at 10K. Now looked at it today it's at 13 you know right have you done an advertisement in the last two weeks or yeah yeah i actually have i did a a shout out i paid for shout outs from a company they have basketball videos basketball vines i don't even know what a, i think they own like six six accounts brandon although, yeah. it could, yeah. although it could be pretty expensive i think i think it's worth it you know they're getting you followers and i know the followers are legit because right after they get me followers you know i have a ton of dms and and you know i do my research see who's following me and they're all you know basketball players that are interested in 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 my content so i think it's worth it if you have the budget now interesting are you paying an hour uh, in a day it depends they have they have different packages so you could pay per post uh you could pay for five posts i think they give you a discount i think there's even an option to pay for you kind of tell them like, look, I want 5,000 followers. I want 10,000 followers. And they give you a price until, and once you pay that price, they continue to post until you get that amount of followers. Yeah. And I'm almost tempted not to say the price, but it's a stack. I mean, I've heard of the, the package. Just give me a stack. I'll give you 10,000 followers, which for some that can be some, some say, yeah, it's a great deal. Others are like, man, heck no. Cause I'm sure there are plenty of trainers who are great brick and mortar, but they don't care about the online space. I know them. So I can see both sides to that. For you, do you put your location or how do you tell the immediate effect 
of having more followers on a local level because that's where you're making your money. Right. So you're asking, can you repeat that question? I'm sorry. Yeah. So how do you, how can you tell an ROI from posting online so for some huge influencer? How is that helping you on a local basis where you're making your living, where you're eating? I'm not sure. My philosophy on that is, um, you know, as a trainer, you know, me specifically, I want to to build the following of people not only in Miami, you know, just in case I want to, you know, develop a an online program or, you know, I want to travel a little bit. You know, you never know who's seeing your posts. You never know who that who that follower is. Um, you know, it could be a person that's interested in you, you know, coming to do a camp in their city. That'll be a great opportunity. It could be a following of people all over the country that want to train with you, but you know, can't come to Miami or I can't travel to them. So they're interested in paying for some type of online training. I don't really know right now um, if it's worth it or not, but, you know, I guess we'll find out. No, thank you for that honesty, though, because I get asked that a lot of times from some OGs in this space who are doing big numbers. Like, why do you spend your time on that? And Coach Godwin, Karan Godwin, somebody man, I respect like crazy. I mean, he's cut a ton of years out with this whole basketball training experience. He's huge on branding, you know? Right. And I'm assuming what you're doing right now is branding. And like Gary V says, all you need is one. You don't know who that follower right. is, like you just said. Yeah, man. You never know. You never know who's watching you. Um, you just never know. That one person that watches you could could create a huge opportunity. So I'm a big believer in putting as much content out there, the more people that see you, the better it will be. You might not see the results right away, but you just keep putting in the work. And before you know it, you know, you're going to get your big break. So what's one of your favorite Gary V wisdom tips? You mentioned influencer marketing, but something else along with that. Oh man. Uh, he speaks a lot about patience, um, especially in Miami, Florida coming up, you know, it's a fast, fast city. People want things right now. Um, just everything he speaks about patience was was huge for me. Um, thinking and every decision you make in your business, thinking, you know, long term as well. You know, the whole branding uh, helped tremendously. Uh, just watching his Daily V every night. I, I, I watch Daily V. My girlfriend hates it. But, you know, every single night I kind of make her watch it. So we watch Daily V. And, you know, just to see the amount of work he's putting in is you know it's eye-opening because people uh, you know people love to say i work hard you know I, I work hard i ask players you know what what are some things you need to be successful uh work hard hard work but you know what does that really mean what is hard work and you know it just depends on on what what goals you want but for me i have some pretty big goals so to see gary v putting in that work you know i used to think five six trainings a day you know one video edit 40 DMs was hard work. And then you see a guy like, like Gary V, how hard he's working. And it kind of, you know, pushes you to take your game to the next level. So I think that's the main thing, more just watching his actions. Yeah. Yeah. Watch what he does, not what he says. You know, I'm, I'm because I've, I've wanted to do the videography thing, the vlogging thing. And I realized I've talked to some people about it, how hard that is. I mean, he's a legit, he's, a legit businessman. So he has other people he can pay to do what he's doing. Right. But 
I thought about what he was doing and I thought about selling and building a, if I had to build a Vayner media, man, I would not be able to do that right now. You know, to, right. to hire somebody to follow you around full time, that, that baffles me. It amazes me. So, uh, you know, he does work. Right. Well I mean, unless you get somebody that's, unless somebody, unless you get somebody that's young or maybe somebody that's in college that follows you around and you say, look, you know, we're going to put this all on YouTube and you're going to get a percentage from, you know, how much we make on ads. So instead of paying them directly, if they believe in the vision, you could kind of give them a percentage. Those are things I've thought about just vlogging as I, I don't know. That's kind of not my thing. So what are your goals? You said you have big goals. What are they? Man, I want, you know, I have a ton of short-term goals. I have a you know, ton of long-term goals that I have written down. But uh, one thing I know for sure is that this, you know, the game of basketball is something I'm going to be involved in for the rest of my life. You know, this is, this is it. And I found my passion at an early age. Um, I always said that I was going to make me a million dollars. And I realized when I got to high school that, and kind of my junior year, I kind of realized, you know, that basketball might not make me a million dollars as a player, but if it could make me a million dollars as a coach or or trainer, you know, that'll be that'll be a huge accomplishment. And, you know, the reason I say that is because I just have always had the motivation to be successful financially. I grew up, you know, my parents struggling financially and I knew that I always wanted to have success. And if you are a million dollar, you know, if you have a basketball business, whether you're whatever you're doing and you can make a million dollars, that means you're bringing people a ton of value. So, you know, the only way you're going to make money is by bringing people value. So I've always known, you know, what specifically does it look like? I don't know because life is so, um, it's like a roller coaster. You never know what's going to happen, you know, but I've always known, you know, if I could make a, a million dollars as a basketball trainer or wherever that takes me, but influencing people through basketball, that means I'm bringing a ton of value. So, you know, I have an academy I run year round, four days a week, doesn't stop all year. You know, I have specific goal of where I want the numbers there. I have camps that I run all summer. You know, this year I had my biggest week was 107 kids. It was the first you know, year I've ever ran a camp by myself. And, you know, I want those numbers. I want that one day to be, you know, 500 kids. I want to run international camps. Any way I could influence people through basketball and teach people the game of basketball, um, that, that, you know, that, that's my goal. I don't know specifically what it is, but I just know that if I could influence people through the game, that, you know, I'll live a fulfilling life with no regrets. That's interesting. Um, so I'm debating how to ask this question i know maybe one guy other people who are making really good money with basketball training i know one guy who hit that million dollar mark but he has other things on the side too how do you balance that desire to make money with the player development side of things because there are some people out there who say no if you're really doing it for the kids and you can't get rich and there are a lot of different mindsets out there. How do you balance it? You're not serving the money versus serving the kids. I mean, why can't you make money? Why can't you make money and be for the kids? You, you know, like me. why? 
<laughs> why? I mean, I don't see why not. You know, the more kids you train, the more kids you influence, the more kids you're able to reach, the more money you're going to make. And that doesn't, you know, mean that you're stingy and not for the kids. You know, does that mean that Tony Robbins, which at this point is probably close to being a billionaire, does that mean that he's not, you know, impacting people? He's just imp impacting more people. So the same way I'm able to make the money I'm, I'm making now impacting kids, if I could impact and train more kids, I'm just going to make, you know, more money. And it's not, that's not my only drive, you know, making money. That's not what I'm about at all. But I just want to influence more kids on a bigger, on a bigger scale. I want to, I want to impact more kids. And, you know, nowadays with the computer and the internet and social media, you're able to do that, you know, without actually, you know, being there, you could create content that while you're not working, people are watching it and things like that. So I just think you impact more people. Okay. So in a few more questions, what you stepped out on your own not too long ago, and right. you were learning from a really, really, really successful, good guy and Coach Moran. Right. What made you want to step out on your own? And how did you know you were ready? Um, it's not necessarily anything that... that you know, things just happen within the business where, you know, we had to go our, our separate ways. But... I've always known that I had, you know, the capability of, you know, running a business or, or doing things on my own. It wasn't necessarily my plan where, you know, I just want to. Oh, you hey, know, we hey, just. Hey, Chris, you, your mute, your phone's mute. And can you go back and can you start over with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to go out on my own. It was more that things happened within the business where we both decided it's better that, that we go our separate ways. But, you know, I always knew that and I always felt inside that, you know, I could run a business and, 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 you know, I could do things on my own. I never doubted it, but you know, partnerships are good. Partnerships work out for certain people, for other people. It don't, it, it you know, it just, it just doesn't work out. It just depends on the situation. But, you know, as soon as I went out on my own, I, I, you know, I realized that, you know, it was, it was not only, you know, fun, but I was capable of doing it and, and, and to be successful at it. How far away are y'all from each other? I mean, both of you are in Miami. We are not, not too far. Um, he just opened up a warehouse that's a little bit further from me, but... It's pretty much in the same area, you know, 10, 15 minute drive, you know, away from each other. But there's just so many kids that yeah. play basketball, man. It's just, and I always tell people, you know, all the time, you know, and it depends on who the person is. Some people are more afraid of competition and other people, you know, strive off of it. But I tell people all the time, I say, with the amount of kids there are, you know, in a city like Miami, um, there's enough for everybody to do well. Uh, there's just so many kids that don't even know in this city that are passionate about basketball, that have the money to pay for it. There's so many people that don't even know about basketball training or don't even know about certain programs, you know? So it's not really a competition between businesses or, or a competition between programs. It's more of, you know, the basketball community, the basketball training community in our city needs to come together and kind of get the word out 
a little bit more on on how important you know basketball skill development is you know to young players right right and for you how did you i'm thinking miami when i think miami i think expensive how did right. you find a gym and i've seen you branded that gym as yours what was right. that process um man things just happen uh you know some things just happen that you just you don't have really an answer for i'll tell you specifically how it happened and i don't say you know i know the exact story of how it happened it's just to me it's kind of like a miracle i see it as like the biggest blessing for my business the timing of it was perfect i you know i went out on my own i didn't have a gym that i had full access to there's a facility that i use but i only had access to it four hours a week to run my large group academy clients um you know i had a ton of how many clients i had a ton of private clients you know that oh. wanted to do one-on-one small groups and things like that but i just didn't have a facility and if you are familiar with miami you know that it's either blazing hot or in the summer it's constantly raining so the outdoor route is is you know pretty tough so if you want to be successful you're going to need an indoor facility so i was just driving by a church just a random church and it was a day where I had written down, I think it was 20 to 25 gyms that I was going to go in and I was going to speak to the person in charge and see, you know, what are the rental fees and what the situation was. And as I was driving from one gym that I just said no to another gym, I saw a church and it's a two, it was two floors. And I said, you know what, let me just stop by and see, see if there's even a gym in there. I had no idea there was a gym. So I spoke to the person at the front and I said, look, who's you know, who's in charge that I could speak up to about running the gym. And they, they got me in contact with the person. The person wasn't there at the time. She said, I could be there in the next 10 minutes. And I asked, do you even have a gym? She says, yeah, but I don't think it'll work for you. And I said, all right. So she takes me up there. It's literally the smallest, oldest gym, you know, you'll ever see. Uh, high school game in that gym. He's, you know. He, um, hello, are, are you there? Hello, you're muting out. So, can you tell, start back from where you talked to the lady? She said, Yeah, I don't think it's gonna work for you. Yeah, she said, I don't think it's gonna work for you. So, I said, Okay, I mean, let me see what you got. So, I went up there on, on one side of the gym, it's a super small gym, you know, it only has like the top of the key, not even the corners. And you know, you could tell they haven't played basketball there in years, it still has the rims that if you were to dunk on it. Uh, the rim could break off. You know, it's not the breakable uh, rims. It's kind of nailed to the backboard. And it was an old gym, and they had a stage on the other side. And I, and she's like, does this work? And I'm like, yes, it works. She's like, okay, how long do you want to rent it? How many hours? And I said, as many as you could give me. So we worked out a price, and I just started to renovate it, make it nice. I mopped the floor. I, you know, painted the baskets. I, you know, got some some banners and Man, from there, you know, it was the biggest blessing in my bit. It saved my business at the time. And, you know, I made, I ended up using a gym that I guess a lot of people will see and say, there's no way I could do it there. And, and, you know, now it works great for me. <laughs> Man, that's, that is fantastic. I know that's a big struggle for a lot of player developers, a lot of trainers. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got lucky, man. It, it's, it's tough. Uh, before I was able to get that gym, it's almost like God put me to the test, you know, and before I got that gym, I think I've gone to, it's at least 35 gyms where I've gone to, to try to rent it out. And they just said, no, you know, no, we're not renting it. Um, 
no, you know, we're using it at this time. No, we don't rent the gym out for whatever reason. To the point that I was giving up, you know, I'm like, wow, what, you know, what am I going to do? And it was a blessing. I went there and it's just been able to work great. 35 gyms. If not more, man. I don't have the exact number. Um, the same, you know, gyms will tell me no. And, you know, I had the philosophy if, you know, if I, if I'm so annoying to them that they just want to get rid of me, maybe they'll say yes. So I would show up again, sit in the lobby, wait for the principal or whoever it was. Uh, no, we already told you to the point that they'll say, you know, look, please don't come back here anymore. Um, you're taking up my time. We're not going to rent the gym. But I just stay persistent. And it ended up working. Now I have a gym that I have full access to. And, and it's taken my business to another level. It, you know, it has AC. It has a basket. It has the flooring. So, you know, it's good. We go in there and we put in work. So it's been a blessing. Man, how long have, how long were you doing this? And were you still training then, or were you still PE a PE teacher? How long were you? Yeah, I was training, but the first year training all my private clients were were outside, and you know I would I would drive from from house to house. You know I would go from South Beach to the Kendo area to the Westchester area, which if you're familiar is you know twenty minute drives yeah. through traffic. Um, and I was just training outside in the heat in you know, backyards, in a park. And I would say for about a year, all my private clients were, were, were outside. And as they were outside, I would go from, you know, one client training outside to a gym to ask if I could rent it out to another client I'll train outside. Then I'll go to another gym to ask. And, and you know, it was a struggle. But I guess persistence pays off. Yeah, man. I'm seeing that. That's a really interesting story. So last question, the advice that you would give to, say, your younger self, you're already young, but the advice you would give to yourself a year ago, two years ago? The advice I would give to myself two years ago. Man, I honestly, I look back and I think I really don't have any regret. Um, because I've been acting upon my ideas, you know, and I think when you do that, when you act upon your ideas and you're true to yourself, when you can look in the mirror and say, wow, every, um, and especially in this industry, you know, we come up with so many different things we want to do and we doubt ourselves. But when you just start, um, acting upon what you believe in, um, regardless of what people tell you, whether they, you know, don't believe in you or whether they try to bring you down, when you are able to fight through that and be true to yourself, you really don't have any regret. So I would say right now, if I were to look back two years, I think I've done everything the right way as far as, you know, what I believe to be right. But like you say, I'm only 26. Uh, you put me on this podcast when I'm 30, 34, 35. I might look back and tell you, you know, maybe there's some things that I should should do different. So I'm just learning. Um uh, I know you've had people on this podcast that are much older, much more successful. It's an honor that you you even you know wanted to interview me. So I really appreciate that. But you know I'm I'm still learning. I'm still learning right now. So so we'll see. Maybe that answer will change three, four, five years from now. For sure, Coach Fui. Tell everyone where we can find you on Facebook and Instagram, wherever else you want to. You can find me on Instagram at Coach underscore Fui. And Fui is spelled F-U-I. And you could find me on Facebook. Same thing. Um, 
Coach Fui. Those are the platforms that I'm, you know, that I'm primarily using right now. I need to dive into more Snapchat. I haven't really gotten familiar with it. I haven't been using it as much. But I would say the main platform that I'm using right now is Instagram. And that's where I give content, um, you know, every day, if not twice a day. Got it, Coach. Thank you for the insight, for the wisdom, man. Looking forward to seeing your growth, man, and development. I'm a fan. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, can't thank you enough for listening. I hope you're enjoying the inside look at some uber successful basketball training businesses. You can also learn more from these trainers and entrepreneurs in our private Facebook group at www.facebook.com backslash groups backslash Hoops Institute. And last but not least... If you've been thinking about starting or growing your own basketball training business, check out www.hoopsinstitute.com backslash playbook for your free 30-day website trial. I'm genius, being that genius. Winning with my team, we just being that dreaming. How we gonna get this cream and be shopping all that knees?